Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program that features the lives of the saints and reflections on the Sunday readings, along with information on a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Jim Corda. Our program is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. Our interview segment today will feature Dr. George Bielan. We will also get a glimpse into the life and times of Saints Cyril and Methodius, along with reflections on the readings for this sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time. That and more on Wineskins. In our Life Issue segment, Father Jack Lavelle will talk about immigration. The Catholic Church in the United States is an immigrant church with a long history of embracing diverse newcomers and providing assistance and pastoral care to immigrants, migrants, refugees, and people on the move. Our church has responded to Christ's call for us to, quote, welcome the stranger among us, unquote. For in this encounter with the immigrant, the migrant, and the refugee in our midst, we encounter Christ himself. A rich body of church teaching, including papal encyclicals, bishops' statements, and pastoral letters, has consistently reinforced our moral obligation to treat the stranger as we would treat Christ himself. In the pastoral statement, welcoming the stranger among us, unity in diversity, the bishops of the United States called upon the Catholic faithful in a conversion of mind and heart, imploring us to be in communion and solidarity with diverse newcomers, and entreating us to find new and meaningful ways to welcome our immigrant sisters and brothers into our parishes, schools, and communities. The bishops of the United States, like many others, acknowledge that the current immigration system is badly in need of reform and offers a comprehensive set of recommendations for changing U.S. laws and policies to bring about a more humane and just immigration system in the United States. It is in the context of opportunity and challenge of the new immigration that the bishops of the United States reaffirm the commitment of the Church. In the words of Pope St. John Paul II, we are to, quote, work so that every person's dignity is respected. The immigrant is welcomed as a brother or sister, and all humanity forms a united family, which knows how to appreciate with discernment the different cultures which comprise it, unquote. They call upon us all as people of goodwill, but Catholics especially, to welcome the newcomer in their neighborhoods and schools, in their places of work and worship, with heartfelt hospitality, openness, and eagerness, both to help and to learn from our brothers and sisters of whatever race, religion, ethnicity, or background they may come from. The Church has remained faithful to this call to care for migrants of all kinds and has responded accordingly over the centuries. While we may see immigration as a newer problem in today's society, the Church has always addressed this concern. Nearly 70 years ago, Pope Pius XII wrote that the Holy Family of Nazareth, fleeing into Egypt, is, quote, the archetype of every refugee family. Pope Pius XII recalls a long tradition of papal solicitude for immigrants and refugees, noting the hospitality to strangers and refugees traditionally provided by the Holy See and recalling the words of the Fourth Lateran Council, dating back all the way to 1215. Quote, We find in most countries, cities, and dioceses, people of diverse languages, 
who through bound in one faith have varied rites and customs. Therefore, we strictly enjoin that the bishops of these cities or dioceses provide them proper in the celebration of liturgical functions according to their rites and languages." Unquote. In this, the Pope cites with pride as one proof of the Church's constant solicitude in this respect the provisions for the establishment of national parishes in the United States. In the 19th century, this became an accommodation for all of the immigrants, regardless of what country from which they came, to be able to worship, to be able to work, to be able to pray and praise God in the assembly. The Second Vatican Council, likewise, called on the national bishops to pay special attention to those who are not adequately cared for by ordinary pastoral ministries, as the parochial clergy or those being entirely deprived of it. This included many migrants, exiles, and refugees, and they were to devise a solution for them, endorsed by Paul VI in approving a revision of church norms regarding pastoral care for immigrants. Paul VI, in his instruction on the pastoral care of people who migrate, affirmed that migrating people carry with them their own mentality, their own language, their own culture, their own religion. All of these are part of a certain spiritual heritage of opinions, traditions, and cultures, which will procure in them the ability to live in a homeland of their choosing, and yet will continue to allow them to live in their culture, in their faith, in their way. As Paul VI noted, in the words echoed by St. John Paul II, the Church can regard no one as excluded from its motherly embrace, no one as outside the scope of its motherly care. It has no enemies except those who wish to make themselves such. Its Catholicity is no idle boast. It was not for nothing that it received its mission to foster love, unity, and peace among all. May we continue to recognize ourselves with our needs, desires, and hopes in the face of all our brothers and sisters. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jack Lavelle. Saints Cyril and Methodius were brothers. To tell us more is Lou Jack Kay. He is from St. Brendan Church in Youngstown. These two saints were proclaimed co-patrons of Europe, together with St. Benedict, by St. Pope John Paul II on December 31, 1980. The feast itself is on the date of the death of Cyril, the blood brother of Methodius. They were born in Thessalonica, Greece, and became apostles to the Slav nations of Moravia, Bohemia, and Bulgaria. Their feast has been celebrated universally in the church since 1880. St. Cyril was ordained a priest at Constantinople and taught philosophy there. His older brother Methodius, after being governor of a Slav province, became a monk. In 862, the Prince of Moravia asked for missionaries who could speak the language of his country. The two brothers, Cyril and Methodius, were selected for the task. They differed greatly from the Latin Rite missionaries from Germany because they were able to adapt to the people they were evangelizing. For example, they created a Slav alphabet and they translated the Bible and the liturgy into the Slav language, hence the characters were called Cyrillic. Cyril died in the year 869 and is buried in the Basilica of St. Clement in Rome. After being ordained a bishop, Methodius returned to the East as papal legate to the Slav nations. 
During the last four years of his life, he dedicated himself to the translation of the Bible and other works into Slavonic. He died in the year 885, and the funeral liturgy was conducted in Greek, Latin, and Slavonic rites. The first part of the opening prayer of the Mass recalls the great merit of the two brothers as missionaries who brought the light of the gospel to the Slavic nations. Those countries rightly consider Cyril and Methodius as their fathers in the Christian faith. By introducing new languages into the liturgy of the church, they revived the prodigy of the early church. The two missionaries not only made the church resplendent by their work of evangelization, but they are models for the adaption of the faith to various cultures. They understood the points of reference to the culture of the people, and they knew how to promote unity without imposing rigid uniformity. Because they laid the foundation for a truly Christian popular culture, Cyril and Methodius can also serve as reliable guides in the ecumenical movement. The prayer after communion invokes the Father of all nations who, through the one bread and the one spirit, has made us companions and heirs of the eternal banquet. We then ask that he will grant that all his children, united in the same faith, will be in full agreement in promoting justice and peace. All cultures of the Slavic nations owe their beginnings and development to St. Cyril and Methodius, whether it was the creation of their alphabet or the translation of the liturgical books into the language of the people. Ultimately, the work of these two co-patrons of Europe was an outstanding contribution to the common Christian foundation of Europe. For Wineskins, I'm Lou Jack Hay. Joining me is Dr. George Bielan, who is retired history professor at Youngstown State University. Welcome to our show. Good to be here, Father. You know, the last time I was at St. Michael's in Canfield, you gave me your book, which I've enjoyed. I love a book with lots of pictures in it. It tells a story in and of itself. And we're going to talk about your book in a moment. But I'd like us to talk about the Ohio Cultural Alliance. It's been around for 30 years. In a nutshell, tell us about that. Well, we started in 1987, and that was after I gave a talk in Middletown, Ohio. They were focusing on Mexico at that time. The whole program was revolving around Mexico, and they had a number of Mexicans there. They heard my talk. They said, oh, you have to come to Guadalajara. Several of them were from there. And then after I gave my talk there, they said, you have to start on Ohio Cultural Alliance, mm-hmm. which I did. Sure. I did. Well, you know, that in and of itself is kind of heroic because there's so many different cultures in the Mahoning Valley and in our area. How do you bring those people together? You know, when we look at the world around us, we see many cultures and religions and faiths and people fighting. How do you bring people together? We'd started incrementally. We started with just groups that I had taken to Mexico mm-hmm. and others who were in some of my classes and grew from 15 or 20 mm-hmm. to 80 to 100 to 200 and as I indicated to you before, up to 330 with Bishop Murray mm-hmm. and Tony Larisha, a local philanthropist. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. try to make people feel that we are building community. Yeah. We're learning about each other. Mm-hmm. We're learning about people that we don't know and cultures we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And that evokes empathy and understanding sure. and hope, as I indicate in the title of my book. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, as you were talking, I spent some time back in 1997 in the Middle East for three months and had kind of a bird's eye view 
of what was going on with the Christians, with the Jewish community, with the Muslims, Palestine, and so forth. That's something that's obviously fresh in our minds now, but things that have been going on for centuries. History has a way of repeating itself, doesn't it? It does. You know? It surely does. What can we learn, and you're a history professor for many years, what can we learn about history? What does it teach us for good? One of the uh, aspects of the book is good news. Mm-hmm. As I was preparing the book, incidentally, uh, the book occurred during a time when COVID hit and we ended the uh, Ohio Cultural Alliance the first 30 years. What do you do? You write a book then in that spare time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what I did. And as I was writing the book, I had a lot of records. A historian has records. Mm-hmm. I said, we're, we're talking about some good stuff here, yeah. good news. And that could be sort of an antidote to the bad news that we have currently. Israel, the war there, the war in Ukraine. We have a gun culture that we can't get a hold of. We have a border that can't, we can't find how to be fair and just. Mm-hmm. We have an attack on the humanities, the liberal arts, mm-hmm. those things that make us more sensitive, more empathetic, right. able to make reasonable decisions. And that's taking away from us at the universities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everywhere. Science is wonderful, sure. but it's not everything. And I love the title of your book, Genius Knows No Boundaries. How did you get that title? As we got through maybe uh, the first 15 years or so, mm-hmm. and we learned about a variety of kinds of people from a variety of cultures, indeed all cultures have had periods of excellence, mm-hmm. and all societies have had people who were, if not geniuses, remarkable people. Some were actually geniuses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I said, that's a major theme of our group. Genius knows no boundaries. That's the main title of the book, with the Mm -hmm. subtitle, as I indicated, Understanding and Hope Through Local Engagement. Mm -hmm. And the more we read about other people, we said, they're not very dissimilar from us. And we learned more and more about others and said, we're more similar than we are dissimilar. And that gave us hope. When we talk about cultural diversity, we're really talking about cultural unanimity because there's so much that we have in common. And part of the curse sometimes of humanity is that we don't listen to one another. We are always talking, we're always doing, and we're not sitting back, listening, taking it in. And I think the beauty of this 30-year detailed summary of the Ohio Cultural Alliance is telling us how people have got together month after month, year after year. They sit, they listen to somebody, tell their story, and then they respond by perhaps questions or talking a little bit more about it, and then they break bread. You know, so there's that, those dynamics. Why are those dynamics important whenever we get together? Yeah, among the beautiful things, it's not just talk either, because we ate also. We generally, when we focus on cultures, we had a theme for the year and then focus on one country at each of the 10 meetings of the year. Mm-hmm. And not only did we have the talk about that country, we had a meal related to that country, and we had what we call cultural enrichment, call it entertainment, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we had a wide variety of kinds of entertainment, too. Recently, we focused on a Greek culture, and we had wonderful young adults doing Greek dancing, very talented, very traditional. So all of these things tend to bring us together then. Talk is one thing, but we sometimes had film or slides. Mm-hmm. That gave us a feeling of at least vicarious travel to these various countries. Sure. In fact, we even traveled some, but we sponsored a few trips mm-hmm. to Mexico, mm-hmm. and we traveled around the community. 
because the venues were not just one place. It was public and private places, churches, synagogues, mosques, just exciting. And many people had never been to something other than their own culture. That's one of the eye-openers when we come in contact with other people of different cultures or, or different faith backgrounds, is that we learn something. And how often, as adults, we don't always allow ourselves to learn something different because we're kind of creatures of habit. We don't like to change. And how often I've heard seasoned Catholics, for example, say, well, you know, I've learned it all way back when. I don't have to learn anything new. Well, Hopefully, we're always learning something new. And as a historian yourself, that's really important that we keep ourselves open to new things and to change. Why is that so extremely important? I think it's important because, again, learn about other people in their culture almost. We're walking in other people's shoes. And one thing I just add at this time, while we worked with countries uh, and cultures that, were, uh, that populated this valley... We also dealt with some things that helped to ennoble us. I talked about the liberal arts. During one year, and it was during 9-11 and Hurricane Katrina, that caused a lot of difficulty and stress among peoples. What could we do to kind of alleviate that in, our, in a small way? And we took a number of topics then that tend to enable us, music, drama, history, philosophy, all things that could call us to our, our souls into our, our highest nature. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a, uh, a little bit different from just talking about countries. But we learned also that every country has these things, has music, has art, has poetry, etc. Well, Dr. George Bielan, unfortunately, our time is, is up right now, but we look forward to uh, you being with us next week on our show and talking a little bit more about your wonderful book, Genius Knows No Boundaries, 30 Years of Ohio Cultural Alliance. Thank you. Thank you, Father. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website catholicecho.org. 33 million Americans have descended into poverty. And as their futures fall, so does our nations. Wondering what happened to timely Catholic news in the Diocese of Youngstown? It's at catholicecho.org. There, you'll find recent stories about Catholic life in all six counties of the Diocese of Youngstown, plus recent videos, podcasts, and even national and global news. You'll find it all at catholicecho.org under the News tab. Sign up for the email newsletter while you're there to have Catholic news delivered to your inbox. Our song today is from the CD entitled, Thank You, Lord. It is by Gregory Koleski. Jesus, take me in your arms and let me know your way for me. Protect me, keep my soul from harm the way that it was meant to be. You offer refuge from the storm where life pushes us to the edge. You center us and keep us calm, talking us down from the ledge. Your life explains our joys and pains and the purpose for suffering. 
with the primary goal being to save our soul and live the ecstasy salvation will bring Jesus take me in your arms and let me know your way for me protect me my soul from harm the way that it was meant to be I offer up myself Lord and give all of me to you use me as your vessel to live and spread the I hereby surrender, give up and give in to your will. Guide me each step of the way, Lord, for all time up until, until you come again as our brother, Lord. soul from harm the way that it was meant to be the way that it was meant to be the way that it was meant to be Our scripture reflections for this sixth Sunday at Ordinary Time will be done by Deacon Mike Kajancic. He is from St. Charles Church in Boardman. I've noticed that my own sons and their wives do for their kids what Kathy and I would do for them, and I'm sure what many other parents do. When a child gets hurt, we pick them up, clean them off, hold them to calm them down, and then we usually kiss the boo-boo. Nothing else seems to work like those close physical signs to show them that you really love and care for them. And that close contact works not only on boo-boos, but with other situations as well. When gathering, offering words of welcome is nice, but hugging is better. In times of sorrow, words of comfort are needed, but embracing is better. Studies also show that physical contact can produce much benefits in hospitals, nursing homes, and in raising kids. That's why there's a line in today's gospel of the utmost importance in this world of pain and sorrow. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Why is that line so powerful? Two weeks ago, Jesus cured a man with an unclean spirit with a word. Last week, he touched Peter's mother-in-law with a touch. And today, he uses both. Now, if one was living 2,000 years ago and had leprosy, that was a sign that they were a sinner. They could not be touched 
nor could they touch others. There was to be no contact with anyone else. They were removed from the synagogue, from the community, from the family. They were considered ugly and unappealing. They didn't fit in with what others considered to be the good, the ideal, the perfect. That's what makes this line so fascinating, that this leopard approached Jesus for healing and Jesus touches him. How many are ostracized from the community because they don't fit into this ideal image of a child of God? While we've made advances in medicine and disease control, while we can eliminate or even lessen pain, still there's isolation that comes from disease. What about your heart and how you look upon others? Have you made advances there? Or you still think others who don't fit your image should be ostracized, removed from churches, towns, and even families? Remember that Jesus not only physically healed, but spiritually and emotionally healed as well. If we read and watch the news, we see that there is still a lot of prejudice and narrowness among people, and this seems to be even growing. Who are we to decide who can or cannot be saved? Who belongs or not belong to a church? We hear so many myths about the poor, the lack of medical care for millions, abortion on demand, much saber-rattling. All of this is a type of spiritual leprosy. All of this needs healing. But we cannot heal others if we ourselves are infected with spiritual leprosy. How many times in our lives has Jesus touched us to heal us from some illness, some hurt? If we call ourselves Christians, we're not to be judging and dividing, but we are to be touching and healing. If you wish, make me clean. We still cry out those words to Jesus to this very day. And like the leper, we're not afraid to approach him to be touched, healed, to be brought back. There are so many others waiting to be touched, to be healed, to be brought back. Do we will it? Are we willing to touch them? For Wineskins, I'm Deacon Mike Kojancic. Every day in a hundred different ways, God touches our lives, just as surely as Jesus touched that lonely leper in today's gospel. The problem is that most of us don't slow down and shut up long enough to realize it. I think Jesus must have had that in mind when he told the man to remain silent and keep a secret. He was trying to save him from shallowness. Every life needs a secret and quiet place where we treasure up some sacred moments known only to God. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. Wineskins is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda, thanking you for being with us. Have a blessed Sunday. And we at Wineskins remind you that the season of Lent begins with Ash Wednesday this week. have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. 
Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.